Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a podcast and video show which brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. If you're new to the channel, please subscribe or hit the bell icon. I'm your host, Fritz Pussemaker, and today I'm delighted and foremost privileged and honored to have a conversation with Abir uh, Banifitani. Amir, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Fritz. Happy to be here. Yes. Uh, allow me to introduce uh, Amir a little bit more. Uh, you're the executive director of the XPRIZE, uh, where you are the chief innovation and growth officer. Uh, you chair the AI and data for good. Um, you also are a guest lecturer at a number of very well-known universities, including uh, UC Berkeley. And you began your career at the European Space Agency and held executive positions with Airbus, HP, and the European Commission. Again, Amir, I'm just highlighting a couple of things. There's much, much more you've done. Uh, but I, we really want to zoom into what your role is, what you can do with that big XPRIZE initiative to help uh, create a better world for us, for, for us all. And let me start off, yeah, because you now are part of XPRIZE, but how did you get there? How did you start? What's the, the journey which brought you where you are right now? Thank you, Fritz. Uh, everyone's journey is uh, interesting, and mine was more uh, a series of serendipitous encounters. As a young engineer, I had the chance and privilege to meet people working on uh, space-related uh, topics, and notably at that time, Airbus, which was not called Airbus, but it was EADS mm -hmm. uh, when I finished my career. And uh, uh, my mentor at university when I finished my studies uh, had told me that there was a project that uh, the French uh, uh, space uh, organization was working with Challenger to launch some experiment on space. And astronauts needed to be surveyed medically about their heart conditions and general conditions, uh, mental conditions, and there are a number of experiments that have to be done. And because of my thesis in biomedical engineering uh, and uh, machine learning at that time was not called machine learning, but called the system experts or expert systems, working on prediction of oncology drugs, uh, had some backgrounds into machine learning and software and engineering as well. So they suggested that I join their team and that started my journey of really working on applied uh, machine learning about understanding the signals coming from an ultrasound machine and explain that signal back to astronauts who are not doctors. And then in that doing, we had to shrink a 200 kilogram ultrasound machine into an eight kilogram magnesium alloy cage uh, ultrasound machine to be sent in space and also redo the whole software as well. So that kicked off my journey into European Space Agency very quickly. And I had to learn very fast uh, the space requirements, military specifications of components, um, weightless uh, issues, and, and so forth. So that's, that's how I got started. And the journey really started really as an engineer and really building uh, very complex products. Now, I'm an engineer myself as a background, and one of the things which engineers are notoriously famous for is they lack in general communication skills. Uh, so it's sometimes quite difficult to understand what makes them tick and makes them understand hey, what, what they're trying to do. 
what you're describing me is a situation where you really need communication skills because you have so many domains you need to link to make something happen. So how did you acquire those skills? Uh, I wasn't good at it. Uh, as an engineer, I had to learn very hard. Uh, and I think uh, the necessity is model of invention and, and being thrown at a project with 20 other engineers with NASA on one side asking you questions and other subcontracts were working and satellite launch people uh, talking to you and medical doctors that you're consulting with are working you. You have to somehow find a happy medium where you can translate and communicate between different parties, the specifications, the needs, the requirement, the project timeline, the budget issues, uh, and again, the deliverables and the milestones and the uh, plan Bs and plan Cs and everything else. Uh, so I'm sure that as an engineer, we're not trained always to be the best at communicating ideas or sharing or, or committing, but I don't think engineers are not able to be trained to do that. It's just that we are really trained at understanding system thinking and evaluating problem scoping and finding solutions. And as long as we are uh, surrounded by like-minded people, meaning other engineers, the translation is not needed. The difficulty comes where you have a policymaker and a researcher and a social activist or uh, a government uh, um, leader or someone else that you have to convey that becomes more difficult because you have to carry a whole lot of context in your explanation and that's not easy. And the art of summarizing and conveying in a very short synthetic way your ideas or what you're working on becomes a matter of practice. And that practice, if you're exposed to it, you acquire it. If not, you don't. Um, so that was my luck to be able to, uh, to do that and by, by necessity to be forced uh, to acquire it very fast. I'm not good at it yet, but uh, I'm just saying I'm learning. Okay, because I want to come back to that um, with the work you're doing with the XPRIZE. And maybe for those people, if I, if I want to skip to uh, move to the XPRIZE now, um, for those people who do not know what the XPRIZE is, there's still a couple of people out there. Could you briefly explain what is XPRIZE and how was it, uh, why was it founded? Absolutely. Um, so uh, XPRIZE is a United States-based nonprofit organization uh, founded 26 years ago. And the foundation of that was going to space, actually, was the dream of the founder to be able to go to space. But at that time, in the early 90s, it was not possible for a private citizen to go to space without being an astronaut or part mm -hmm. of defense or some form of program. So the idea was, how can you go to space in a, uh, in a plane that doesn't need to have those military requirements and opening up space to everyone? So that translated into launching a competition to incentivize the creation of such a plane that would go into 100 kilometers into space, privately built, and be able to carry a workload of three people. That prize was won eventually by uh, an engineer called Bert Rattan, uh, mm -hmm. and uh, that led to uh, the winning of the prize, which basically exposed XPRIZE as an organization that launched very complex and massive prizes. And from then on, a number of prizes were created. And interestingly, the impact of XPRIZE has been uh, noticed. Uh, the first prize, which is the, um, the Ansari-funded 
Express, which is the, 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 the commercial plane, uh, the IP right of that was acquired by Richard Branson to create Virgin Galactic, which is now this organization that allows anyone to, if they can afford it, to go to space and to travel at least uh, within the, the, uh, the limits of space. But from that experience, Express uh, became this engine of incentivizing and inviting everyone to participate into solving something very complex, such as going to space. Another challenge was landing on the moon, which was funded by Google, mm-hmm. which were almost won by an Israeli team two years ago. Uh, but there were other prizes about cleaning up the ocean. There is a prize on rapid reskilling of people losing their job to automation. There are prizes on artificial intelligence applied to SDGs and for good uh, that you and I have been involved with. Uh, there has been a prize which is still working on right now about transporting your mind through a robotic uh, uh, shape. And that prize is called Avatar. It's basically how you can transport your skills and your capabilities somewhere remote without being there. And we're working on, of course, stewardship of climate and, and the environment. Uh, and if I can summarize, XPRIZE is working in three pillars. One of them is exploration, exploring space, exploring the oceans, exploring our mind, exploring our future. The other one is stewardship of our planet and environment and our culture and our people, saving our earth and saving what we have. And the third one is equity and empowerment of everyone, which translated to education, better health, but also economic empowerment. So within those three pillars, XPRIZE identify uh, and identifies with partners very large competitions that could actually promote innovation in certain areas where we hoped and we thought that it's gonna happen in 10 to 20 years from now, but the prize will bring this innovation closer to us by a factor of five or 10 years closer sooner, simply because instead of having a few teams only working on those challenges on those innovations, suddenly you have hundreds of teams working on it and motivated by not only the prize incentive, which is a non-dilutive money given to, uh, to teams, but also a massive visibility of teams globally about what they are working on and the layer of partners. So sorry for the long introduction, but XPRIZE is this engine of incentivizing to make the impossible possible, as we say, and giving everybody a chance to solve something very hard. I got it. Uh, And when did you get involved in the XPRIZE? I got involved in XPRIZE about almost seven years ago now, um, where there was a prize called Tricorder. And the goal of that prize was to create a uh, Star Trek-like device that is able to, without touching the body of someone, gather a number of vital data like Star Trek Mm -hmm. and to replicate that. And at that time, I was um, managing a network of angel investors Mm -hmm. called Techos Angels. And uh, I got invited to attend a presentation session at UC San Diego where all the teams were going to work on medical validation of some of those uh, devices. And I met with Express at that time and realized what they were doing. I knew about Express before, but I've had a chance to meet with them. And I saw that really what they're doing is this ability to bring uh, the most invisible people that are working hard problems to the front seen and give them a chance to solve problems. And that from an investor, angel investor perspective was interesting because 
it's a new channel where you can identify teams that are working hard problems that may or may not want to create a startup or yet to be funded or looking for a grant, but they have this innate need to solve something very hard. And you open up that possibility for them. And that was the bidding of my, my involvement with XYZ and started working with them as an advisor. Uh, and, um, and then a few uh, couple of years later, um, we talked about a prize on AI and we finalized that design. IBM Watson became the sponsor mm -hmm. and we launched it in 2016. Yes, and following that, uh, that involvement with XPRIZE, I started advising and working with XPRIZE and eventually uh, identified the opportunity of a prize on artificial intelligence. Uh, and in 2015, uh, the UN uh, freshly basically introduced the Sustainable Development Goals, mm -hmm. which was a new updated version of the Millennial Goals. And at that time, we talked about AI and AI became mainstream. Uh, a number of Hollywood movies were talking about uh, the, the negative part of AI, machine domination. And the idea was that how AI can be perceived as a force for good and AI can actually create value for society and be viewed as a general purpose technology that can have an impact globally. So the, converse, the, the connection between sustainable development goals, that topic, and we were at TED conference at that time. We talked about the idea of a robot giving a TED talk. And then that idea evolved into how about finding robots and AI solutions that could be communicative with humans and solving global challenges. And that led to the design of a prize that we launched eventually in 2016 as a global challenge. And we had uh, more than 10,000 applicants joining for that prize. Uh, and that was the journey that led eventually later on to um, meeting uh, the, uh, the International Economic Union, a number of other UN agencies, IEEE, and some other friends like yourselves. And uh, we decided to, um, to work on a summit called the AI for Good Summit to just highlight and showcase applications of AI for social good and for good and how to learn from that. But that prize uh, on the AI prize was the starting point of a movement uh, that we call today AI for Good. Before that, there was some workshops on AI and social good, but really what jump-started that was this global um, noise and momentum about applications of AI on, on every front. And we had so many proposals of using machine learning AI to solve societal challenges. And eventually the 150 teams that made it to the final uh, selection process were all working on areas where their ideas was not about creating self-driving cars or financial predictions or improving uh, credit scoring, but solving very specific topics such as helping with mental health uh, or having a chatbot help the children learn better or how to preserve uh, some species from extinction by observing their, their uh, walkabout and dances, for instance, for bees or, or, or birds, and trying to predict uh, out of that if their species are going to extinction or mm, bullying of people in chat rooms. So issues that have more of a social and, and community-based mm -hmm. and, and human-related topics. And we observe all those uh, responses coming from different teams. And that nurtured right, this idea of really talking about 
AI as applicable to be beneficial and to help society. So that was the starting point. But this prize is now finished and we awarded that prize uh, to a team that is able to detect malaria uh, a few days before the outburst comes. And that, that was a wonderful finding as well. So this is a story of how the AI prize came about and what XPRIZE has been able to do. I have another very notable example of, of an XPRIZE I can quote if you're interested. Oh, yeah. yes, please do. Uh, in 2014, there was a design of a challenge about the fact that about five or 600 million children in the world don't have access to schools or education or teachers at all. And in some cases, they're not even electricity in the area where they live. So if we talk about digital literacy and making the world closer and giving everybody a chance to participate, uh, what should we do about those who don't have enough access to the basic education to read and write? And the idea was at that time to create a software framework. So by software, anyone can learn to read and write and do basic arithmetic without assistance of a teacher or anyone. That was a difficult task. And this prize was designed and launched in 2015 with the help of UNESCO and the World Food Program and the government of Tanzania. And the goal was really to demonstrate that you can actually learn to read and write without any teacher or any assistant and just with a software-based platform and a tablet. So um, XPRIZE designed that prize, launched it, a few hundred teams joined. Uh, but what we did, which was really unique, is that we, we went inside Tanzania with the help of the government and those two UN agencies I mentioned and recruited 2,700 children one by one mm -hmm. to be able for the period of nine months to be given the chance to participate in that field test and to give the participant of the XPRIZE or building software to be able to test the software in real case, not in a lab, but in reality. So nine months of field testing was offered to those teams uh, with people that really didn't have access to electricity or teachers or anything else. And Google gave us uh, a number of tablets to, to use. Uh, we had uh, support to create solar panel to charge the tablets and the test was done. And this is an example of a, a very large endeavor where you bring so many people, hundreds of people participated in this to recruit the people, countries, governments, so that when you want to claim that you can actually make this happen, you measure the outcome. And all the data that was gathered about this experience, all the software, all is open source and open data now, so that others can learn from this principles of how we learn as a young uh, children, uh, the principles of reading, writing, and arithmetic. A questions here, uh, Amir from Eif. Uh, th these are great uh, examples. Um, first of all, how do you deal with people who are afraid of technology? Because you are providing technology-centric solutions, uh, assuming similar to the Singularity University, uh, that technology will help create abundance, quoting Peter Diamandis here. Uh, but uh, there's still a lot of people out there who are concerned about technology uh, taking over their life, losing their jobs, uh, making them do things they really don't want to do. So how do you feel that um, take on technology? Uh, those concerns are valid concerns. Yeah. Uh, we should not shy away from the fact that 
automation technology without surveillance, without governance, without appropriate safety and security boundaries could harm people. But technology, especially artificial intelligence, but most general purpose technologies are like a knife. You can do whatever you want with it. You can, you can cut vegetables or you can kill someone. You can have basically our disposition towards usage of technology that makes a difference. And that has to be explained. And then finding examples of beneficial use of technology will help appease some of those concerns. But also governments, policymakers, researchers, scholars uh, are already working on aspects of safety and ethical use uh, and, and trustworthy use of technology. Uh, we need to have framework and guardrails to measure, to make sure that technology is audited, is systematically tested, and we have standards in place. All of this needs to be done. Even today, if someone uses a iron or a hairdryer, that hairdryer can kill you if you don't pay attention, yeah. if you put it into water. So there's a little tag on the hairdryer that says, don't put that into the water. Okay, so, so you can indeed uh, provide uh, uh, guidelines, regulations uh, on technology, but still that emotional side. How do you deal with the emotional side of people being afraid of technology? Is it something which the XPRIZE focuses on, what you focus on, or is that something that will leave that to other people? Uh, I think it's everyone's concern. It's not that to leave it to outside. I think every one of us should be concerned about that and do something about it. XPRIZE tries to tell the positive stories and the amazing benefits that happen that through the prizes that we launched, these are the stories that we do tell. We showcase the opportunities, we showcase how we can detect malaria, how we can help children, how we can actually eradicate uh, some sickness or how to capture carbon. So this is the benefit of technology. But we're not um, removing ourselves from the conversations where we praise need for governance, needs for boundaries and guardrails and identify where uh, those technology can be used uh, in the wrong hands. But we're not necessarily actor to police or to, uh, to, to, to control that. We can just be a champion of promoting that need and be participating into the showcase of the good use of technology and also reveal where technology can do harm and not be fair and trustworthy. But at the end of the day, there should be some regulations and third party control about the design of technology the gathering of data that fuels, fuels that technology, if we talk about machine learning and AI, but also how technology is going to be audited in its use and ultimately beneficial to people. So personally, what I'm focusing on is to make sure that we always come from a design perspective mm -hmm. whose intention is to benefit people. If we have that design in mind, we're probably going to be more in tune as engineers or designers to think about outcomes that are positive it doesn't mean that we should not have unintended consequences that could be negative or harmful to people, but at least we can start with that, about thinking beneficially to people, but also having guidelines of safety design, guidelines of ethical design, guidelines of non-biased design that should be training engineers in their development. And this is something that we need more today than before. Okay. Um... Now, you've already alluded what needs to be done um, uh, as far as controlling this and driving this. Uh, Bears, brings me the question, uh, to some uh, aspect, people could argue that what you're doing, what XPRIZE is doing, uh, 
is normally a government task, uh, the government responsibility. I don't have the answer for that. I think government has a role to play yeah. in terms of uh, providing frameworks of safety and security uh, and protection of people. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, there's going to be also a, a responsibility that falls on the shoulders of organizations, companies, cities, individuals, communities, civil society to play their role into surveying, reporting, talking, educating, and all of the above. Okay. This is not something we can left to someone else and say we are we're safe now. I think technology is moving such a fast pace right now that policy and understanding of concept of technology is falling behind. So we're playing catch up, understanding the impact of technology right now because we're going so fast. True. And uh, this is probably an opportunity for more policy innovation and more for agile rapid evaluation of what we do with technology. And those conversations needs to be emphasized and existed. Now, there's so many great stories and people behind the stories and the solution. Um, I mean, I have to ask you, where do you draw your inspiration from? Who are your role models uh, when you uh, live and work in this environment? Um, um, I'm an engineer, essentially. So I look at problems and my inspiration comes from gaps in society, gaps in, in technology, gaps in others. But my inspiration comes from selfless leaders those who are not working for their own benefit, but those working for the benefit of all of us. Because everything at the end of the day is, has to be uh, not necessarily communal, but a shared prosperity. And shared prosperity is a magic world, but this is my mantra. It's about how we can actually work toward something that benefits all of us, and not just only a few, uh, but in a very active manner, not as a waiting for government to take care of it. We need to do it ourselves daily. So that's my, my approach and that's how I get inspired by seeing people that are doing, doing this. And there are many of them actually. Is that also what success means to you? Uh, absolutely. Success is to seeing that um, more people are benefiting from progress. Mm -hmm. Now, what would your advice be to the young people who uh, are going to listen to this uh, interview? Uh, what should, how would you inspire them to see if they can go on the same type of journey? Well, my journey is not a reference at all. I think um, there are more, more, more uh, interesting journeys to look at and be inspired by. Um, however, you have to share an opinion or, or dare to give an advice to anyone, it would be that you need only one success to make a difference in the world. And that success eventually will come by the observation of a real problem surrounding you that you care about enough. And if you can dig down and, and work on that problem, whatever that problem is, and go to the end of that and try to solve it and make sure that the solution of that problem remains sustainable and lives on, I think that will help achieve a lot in a lifetime. Amir, that's very sound advice. Uh, what I'm hearing you say is, as long as you make an impact, you're doing good. Yeah, an impact that is sustainable.
Great. Okay. Uh, I realize we have a lot of things uh, we can talk about. Uh, we can talk about hours about Elon Musk's uh, 100 million prize for carbon removal, also an X-Prize challenge, but that might deserve a, uh, an interview on its own. In its own. Uh, I think for now, I'm very, just very happy that you're, you've taken us uh, on the ride. Oh, well, what X-Prize is doing, what you're doing there, and uh, hopefully it will inspire people to have a look and how they can help uh, improve the world. So, Amir, thank you so much. My pleasure, Fritz. I've been uh, delightful. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening to the brand called You Videocast and Podcast, a platform that brings you knowledge, experience, and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website, www.tbcy.in, to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for the brand called You.